Oh, hey, it's The Great Debates, and let's get right into it. I've got a micro debate. I've got four minutes on the clock. Steve Healy taking the pro. Michelin stars are ridiculous. I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the pro. Michelin stars may, they might even be good, but they're definitely ridiculous. They're ridiculous for several reasons. One is that they're given out by a tire company, which itself is totally ridiculous. This is a guide that they used to give out back in the days when like only a few people had cars for some reason. Uh, the star system, there's only three of them. And if you haven't checked on the star system lately, by the way, like it's not like best, uh, second best. It's like worthy of a special journey. There's this whole distinction to the um, meaning of the stars that most people don't even really know or bother with. So that gets confusing. Second of all, they're administered by uh, France and French food. En enough time has gone by that we can stop pretending that French food is good. Back in the days when England uh, used to go to France in like 1890, French food seemed a little better because rainy England was terrible and they didn't have the diversity of climate that France had. They didn't have the wines that France had. Uh, and French uh, the society had reached a level of decadence where they would put a lot of wine and butter and oil and stuff into the food. This was considered good. Enough time has passed that we know now that's totally ridiculous. We've had high-end Chinese food. We've explored the glories of Italian food. Peruvian food, Mexican food. We no longer think of France as the center of the food world. And so Michelin stars have somewhat diminished. It's the idea of fat Frenchos driving around deciding which restaurants are worth a special journey is just uh, antiquated, silly, uh, like I say, pleasurable, enjoyable idea to consider. I like reading an article about this place lost one, this place got one. But it's really just a matter of... Uh, archaic standards of presentation and experimentation, which are totally ridiculous to the modern diner. You can definitely get better uh, food at a taco stand in LA than you can from the number one Michelin starred place. It's silly. Uh, it's nice and fun, but it's totally ridiculous. Dave. So the fact I'm Dave King and I'm taking the con. Um, the fact, what's the topic again? Michelin stars are ridiculous. Are ridiculous. And I'm arguing that they're not ridiculous. So the fact that, the Michelins that there are like a number of other uh, food, whatever you want to call them, like contests, categorizations, rankings. The fact that Michelin now exists within a world of other possibly more modern and more current uh, rankings or hierarchies of food actually, to me, makes the Michelin system less ridiculous. You know what you're getting out of Michelin stars maybe their criteria aren't for you, but you know what they're going for. Yes, it's a more Eurocentric uh, system, even though they certainly are well represented uh, in their stars with um, Asian cuisine, South American cuisine, all types of cuisine. Uh, again, sure, they favor and tend to cover European restaurants more, but that's what they do. Also, like they value service more than other places value food. That's the way it's always been. They're meant to be, it's like, as you said, like they're, you know, a tire company makes them because the idea is like, is this place worth going to on a journey of a certain number of 
miles or kilometers, I guess, like out of your way just to have this meal. And their criteria therefore leans more towards like, can you make a day of it? Is it a pleasant experience? They weigh the ambiance and the service more so than most places do. Now that's like a strict set of criteria. That doesn't mean that it's like for everyone. It's probably not for the average consumer of food or the average like person who goes to restaurants, but that, but it makes it less ridiculous. The fact that they're like aligned with a certain tradition and a way of doing things. This idea that like, it's ridiculous that Michelin makes tires and then like also uh, values food. It's so like, it's just like, um, you're the one I'll say uh, being ridiculous for saying that that's ridiculous because the truth is like everyone knows companies can do like multiple things. Obviously, like the same people who are testing the tires aren't fucking tasting the miso soup at these places to see what the quality is. It's its own like sanctioned off program. And there's nothing ridiculous about that. They had uh, there's like, yeah, sure. There's this kind of unusual origin of it, but that doesn't make it ridiculous. It's its own thing. Everybody understands that if anything, it's kind of like fun and of opening statement. Okay, Dave made a couple points, some which I think are valid, some which I think are silly on their face. You know what you're getting was one of his points, which, okay, fine. You know what you're getting with the Muppets. They're also ridiculous. You know what you're getting with pro wrestling. It's still ridiculous. Just because you know what you're getting with the Michelin stars doesn't mean that the whole enterprise isn't on its surface ridiculous. Dave also said they're aligned with the tradition, which is true. And that's cool. That, that is actually cool. I'll give that to Michelin that they're aligned you with this long cool. tradition. No, I, of course, I I don't think it's cool, but you okay, do think well, it's cool. But, but it makes it less aligned, ridiculous. I think we can both are. agree that being aligned with a tradition like for too long, when standards have changed, when times have changed, when driving in cars to restaurants has changed, that is it's ridiculous to stay aligned with a tradition that really is pegged to like France in the year 1920. Yeah, see, I it's think really what's happening but here is that could you're be like special, could be nice. I like when I like when stuff endures past its due date, but part of what I like about it is the ridiculousness of it. Finally, a point I'd like to introduce which is like mm-hmm. when you think of Michelin, you think of the Michelin man by Bentham. He comes up in your mind and that can't Michelin can't escape that association with a guy a big chubby guy is made out of tires, and that just adds to the. You'll never escape ridiculousness as Michelin when your mascot is a big tire man. Well, that's just dumb. Uh, that's I mean, just you may think of that with, when someone talks about m- the Michelin tire company, but not when you talk about Michelin stars and the Michelin and the Michelin rating system. I mean, that's not an association that people make. In fact, a lot of people are surprised to learn that Michelin, the tire company, and Michelin, the restaurant rating system, do have the same. No one is surprised to learn. That's one of that's those not things true. That I saw think tweets about this just the other day. Learn, someone tweeted about it just the Dave. other day, and they were, what? <laughs> well, don't the, the tell me nobody is surprised to hear like, that. <laughs> What's that? It's some person trolling, trying to get uh, retweets from 12-year-olds. That's not dignified. Here's what I think, you're, here's what I think is, is the mistake you're making, is that you're confusing subject to ridicule with ridiculous. And I understand that, like, the Michelin rating system, because it's like, European and old-fashioned and, like, hues to a certain strict code, that that's, like, there's a, some some sort of, like, stuffed-upness about it that's, a, that yeah, I understand, like, why you could make that's, fun that of it. That actually is a great distinction, but I think it doesn't really Thank apply you. in this. I think, like, in the 70s, people were ridiculing it, but we're so far past 
the idea that like like it's not even something you would skew okay, anymore. So it's, it's neither just subject to ridicule nor ridiculous, is what you're saying. The That's biggest thing you want to say that, not- that Michelin is so ridiculous that we just overlook how ridiculous it is. The reason we talk about it, why we consider it, is because it's just ridiculous that these. Uh, French guys are going around assessing restaurants on the quality of their well, service. Well, they're not all French. I mean, they have an international staff tradition. of people. Time has rendered the tradition extra ridiculous. It, well, ridiculousness I'll, I'll, piles upon ridiculousness. Okay. I ask you, you listener, to you're, you're dig not making sense anymore. You've lost yourself in your own rhetoric. I'd like to introduce a new point before we run out of time, which is that, like, this is something that the people who are involved in it take very, very seriously. And nothing that's Somebody ridiculous. Somebody taking themselves too seriously is the most ridiculous thing in the world you know no that, one kills themselves over like something sacred, that's ridiculous people do not take their own over a michelin star is ridiculous i mean well i know that there's a famous case you, of that i don't know the story of that guy the fact that people who do that because of the weight of the michelin ranking system in itself to me means that that is not ridiculous people do not kill themselves for frivolous reasons and it's not i mean that's an extreme example but people's fortunes are made based on the michelin system people's reputations people's legacies that people live and die and in some cases they literally live and die with the michelin ranking system and that's not something that you do something that's ridiculous like you might say all kinds of ridiculous activities The, the 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 fact that people take it more seriously than they should only renders it Give more me an ridiculous. example of a, of something else that someone has killed themselves of because it's ridiculous. Um, I think that's the end kill, of my closing I mean, statement. <laughs> somewhat dark topic, trigger warning. We're talking about suicide, I guess, but I think people kill themselves over delusional or somewhat frivolous reasons all the time. And, and you in can't many name cases one. of people who, it's a shame. Many cases of people who survived suicide in the second after jumping, they've realized, oh my God, the reason I'm doing this is totally ridiculous. I, I just needed to think. Clearly. That's actually not true. They don't realize that the reason is ridiculous. They realize that there's something they could do about it. That's at least the anecdotal evidence we have from from like Golden Gate Bridge survivors and stuff like that. But they don't, the thing that they don't say is, <laughs> oh my God, I was being so silly. What they say is there's a way out of this. And that's what I realized when I jumped. A- again, end of closing statement. As you may have noticed, Medina. I I'm not going to keep going the, on the road of suicide. Time. <laughs> I think we ruined our <laughs> perfectly nice debate. It got a little weird at the end. <clears throat> I thought that was so, good. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, it, it went well. I, I Healy did a two-minute opening statement, and so I thought it was only fair to extend the time. Uh, Thank you. Uh, and and then and frankly, Dave's opening statement was also two minutes. So we sort of went for it, although maybe lost the thread there a little bit at the end. That's bound to happen when the, the heat is turned up in the debate, right? Um, Okay, so Healy, the sort of like historical um, sort of revelations or maybe the most compelling uh, part of your, and, and enticing part of the debate for you. Um, and I found myself, for instance, letting the opening statement go as you discussed uh, French cuisine versus perhaps English cuisine in the time of the origin of the uh, uh, Michelin Guide. Um, but I, I later in the debate, I felt that there was a moment, the sort of like subject to ridicule distinction that Dave brought up that really sort of tugged at me. So, yes. Um, yes. 
you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this one. Um, I thought he sort of effectively. You know what, Dan? That You're is always Dave. torn. Just pick a winner, dude. <laughs> I love you, man, but it's yeah, always yeah, like, ah, okay. oh, you guys, it didn't quite go where I wanted. Uh, I'm I'm joking. (laughs) Uh, But I thought that the division of labor uh, sort of uh, point was also effective in dismantling the ridiculousness theory. It sounds like I won, and you're just sort of afraid to say it. I was sort of leaning towards Dave on this debate. Yeah. Yeah, This is why we need three judges like boxing, because you can't, Dan can't have that responsibility. By the way, I much. totally agree with you. Submit your <laughs> resumes. We can bring the guest moderators in. I can be one of three votes. It's not so much writing on it, you know, every I mean, time. It is, I, a, you know, it's a lot hope, of I, uh, responsibility. My hope, which may or, may, may or may not be your hope, Dan, is that someday your children will be your co-moderators and then <laughs> panel very of three good. will yeah. um, be able to judge us accurately. Oh, wow. The whole Medina family. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Why Incredible. Not? How close are we to that? A couple of years at least. A, a number of years. I don't not know. Maybe many. closer than you maybe think. five. I probably don't want to expose them to stories of chefs killing themselves yet. Is well, right. kids are resilient. I kept hearing that over the pandemic. Kids are resilient. Should we? Are we I in mean, chat? I don't know. Yeah, we're in host chat, but I mean, should we just go oh, right into another? Somehow that to be like, honest, we've been burning so hot that I don't bother preparing any topics for host chat. Anymore. Yeah, I know. I love that. No, pandemic could has turned us into just confidence. Yeah, confidence. It's just as like we're not making pit stops, man. We're just staying on the debate highway. Yeah, well, which just could be good. Yeah. Well, I, I've got another one. If you guys want to, yeah, let's just, just jump go. Right let's just do it. <laughs> okay. This is Healy taking the pro again. Okay. The topic is you can multitask. Okay. I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the pro. Sure. You can drive and listen to an audiobook. You can um, half pay attention to a Zoom meeting at work <laughs> and uh, compose a note to your um, a loved one, your aunt, thanking her for the nice card she sent. Um, you can read your phone and watch TV. One of my favorite pastimes. People don't like to admit it, but there's a lot of shows out there, and some of them don't require your full attention. Some of them do. I mean, you can't always multitask, but you certainly can. It can be part of your toolkit. I feel like there's been a sort of pop intellectual movement against multitasking lately people talk about the downsides of it and of course it's a little tricky and you'll see somebody doing a study of uh neurological tests that show you can't uh metaphorically walk and chew gum at the same time but we all know you can uh you can do more than one thing at a time we all do humans uh are digesting and thinking at the same time we're walking and thinking at the same time we're walking and thinking and digesting at the same time we do all kinds of things all at once it's part of our nature it's part of our the the highly calibrated, highly evolved brains that we have. And so you certainly can do it. I'll start where you left off, which is this idea, the idea that like we can walk and digest at the same time. You use digest, I think twice as an example of multitasking. That's not a task. That's an automated system that our body does without us um, deciding to do it and consciously working on it. And I think that the the listener and Medina would agree with me that a task is something that requires one's attention or at least something that some that you that one uh, you know 
purposefully does. No one ever has to think about digesting or like puts digesting on their to-do list. And if you want to talk about ridiculous, that's what um, calling digesting a task is. That's a reference to our first debate. Um, you said it yourself, Healy. You can half pay attention to a Zoom while you're composing an email to someone else. Well, that's not doing two things. That's barely half doing one and doing another. Um, you know, there's a, a quote that I forget who this is attributed to, but I think it sums it up nicely. To do two things at once is to do neither. And um, that I think like um, when you said, for example, that you could have a show on in the background, you're, you're sorry, you could be reading while you're watching a TV show. Well, the reality is that you can only be reading and have a show on in the background. Now, you can use the cocktail effect so that like you're sort of um, listening on a non-attentive basis. And when something catches your ear while you're reading, then you can snap out of the reading and pay attention to the show. And maybe you'll go back 15 seconds to hear what they were talking about. But you're not actually watching the show and reading the book at the same time. You're reading the book and the show is playing in the background. That's not multitasking. That's doing one thing while a second thing distracts you. That's the end of my opening statement. Let's get into it. Okay, I think that Dave is trying to define his way into a victory here, a classic debate tactic, and we can't allow that to happen. If a task by definition requires your full attention, then sure, of course you can't multitask. However, I would argue, and just for listeners who aren't familiar with the format here, we don't look it up or anything. I'm not going to go on an online dictionary and look up the word task. But I think we can probably agree that a task is something that you need to do or want to do, uh, something that has to get done. If we're defining it as requiring 100% of your attention, then of course the debate's over and it was a pointless debate and a waste of everyone's time. But surely, Healy, I we don't can't to define it as something that requires 0% of your attention, which is what digesting yes, is. Yes, or exactly. Or even walking exactly. for okay. the most part. I'll grant you digestion. Okay, it's, thank a task you. is something that requires are there any other, Healy, some before we go any attention. further, are there any other yeah. parts of your opening statement that you'd like to retract as having been meaningless. I'll give the digestion uh, doesn't mm -hmm. really require any okay. attention. However, I think it is an example of one extreme end of the spectrum of task within that, the range of tasks going down to like rock climbing or performing surgery, rock climbing in particular, something that people seek out because it takes all your attention and is kind of satisfying in that way. Right. Okay. Makes you feel alive. That would be on the far end digestion on the zero end. In between, there's a million tasks that take some attention. Or, very common in the year 2022, intermittent attention. They need a little bit of attention here, and then there's going to be a long pause, then they need another attention. Calling American Airlines, for instance. It's going to take, it might take two minutes worth of attention in between calling, being on hold, uh, pressing a button. During that time, can you also make a sandwich? Yes. Will it be the greatest sandwich you've ever had? Maybe there might be some error or there might be some discovery in the uh, zone of not having your full attention on the task. But two tasks can be accomplished. You can think of examples like this. No one could survive in the year 2022 if we couldn't multitask. Do people overdo it? Of course. The is reason why they overdo okay. it is because they've gotten away with it and at earlier occasions. They've so come to see that it's possible and they okay. keep pushing and pushing. That's great. So moderation is necessary in all things. Okay, that doesn't it. mean that multitasking Healy, is... Uh, well, you just said moderation is necessary in all things. That clearly doesn't apply to this debate about multitasking. Like, you've just... You're just talking, man. Um, let's bring it back. 
what you're talking about is accomplishing two tasks and switching back and forth between them within a certain small period of time. That, I submit, is not multitasking. That's quickly alternating between two tasks. So, for example, what happens if you're making a sandwich oh, and you're Dave, on the phone with American that's Airlines? That's definitionally multitasking. Uh, okay, well, I, I mean, I'm allowed to argue that it isn't multitasking at the very least. Here's what I'm saying. <laughs> what guess, happens is if you're on the phone with you're, American you're, Airlines you're and making a sandwich, games of definition you're, again. You're, yeah, well, that, this is, uh, I'm sorry, it's the great debates. Like, that's what we do here. Um, you're going to get to you're a point. You're trying to Forget about definitions. Let me just try to paint a picture. Okay. You're on the phone with American <laughs> Airlines at a certain point. They say, okay, we have your confirmation code. Write this down. It's JH6941. You have to put down your sandwich and start uh, and, and take a minute to then write down the confirmation code that they gave you on American Airlines. There, are, What we found, there are studies that I have actually have examined this. Me. If you let me continue for a second, what studies have shown is that when you alternate between two tasks, going back and forth between them, it takes a longer period of time to complete both tasks than if you would do one full task and then the second full task individually by itself. You're slowing yourself down, and the reason is because you can't actually do both things at once, and it takes time to stop and restart and to re-get your head at. Where was I at? Oh, yes, I was. I need to get the lettuce out of the fridge. Oh, shit, right, I got to give the American Airlines lady my email address. And you're not, you think you're multitasking, but you're not. You're doing two tasks in rapid succession, and you're losing time because of it. And I would submit that that is a sort of like larger scope uh, uh, uh reason why you can't multitask or put it another way sure you think you can multitask but in the end it's only going to cost you i want to push back here not just uh, i bet you do bud i bet and against dave here but in general this is a really important point to me and i think it needs to get out there dave indulged in a fallacy there which is argument by study and it's so common uh, especially among like college-educated people that read a lot of news. They love to do this. The studies have shown a new study comes out. Well, guess what? Most of these studies don't replicate. They're total garbage. We, they're either paid for by some interest group or they're just designed to drum up clicks, drum up clicks for a Yahoo News or something. They're, they're garbage. No one ever goes to the source of the study and looks it up in JSTOR. If you do, you'll find it was some crazy weird study with unusual circumstances um, done by this laboratory in Korea that's funded by Big Sugar for the purpose of proving some obscure point. It's just... We, we can, th if somebody says studies have shown, throw them out unless they're prepared to talk chapter and verse about the studies, about the circumstances of the studies, etc. Otherwise, they may ready? as well just be saying they're, they're friends or they're friends of absurd. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So, as you know, I was a psychology student and I remembered the study from my yeah. psychology studies. A real rigorous science. Uh, it's not a great, it's not a rigorous science, but this is one of the few areas where you can actually like study something and come up with hard data. It's called switching costs. I'm looking at the American Psychological Association. Uh, subtle switching costs cut efficiency, raise risk. And it says exactly what I said earlier, which is that when you try to do two things at once, you end up taking longer to do both of them than if you had uh, done one and then the other. And so, like, yeah, I'm with you. Some people make up studies, uh, but I didn't do it this time. And I think it's like a weird personal impact to suggest that I made this up out of whole cloth. When, in fact, like, I can remember seeing the charts that present this idea where it's like the amount. I'm not like, what the hell, dude? You're just calling me a liar for no reason at all. You know, that's not the spirit of these debates. 
You can't. I don't multitask. think he even called you a liar. I think we saw that you engaged in a in a form of uh, very weak argumentation, and it's it's prevalent, and it needs to be stopped. That's wild. I, I'm looking at the website. I call. I referred to a study I had read, and you're calling that weak argumentation. Like, what am I supposed to do? By the way, it's not the only <laughs> argument I made here. I mean, really, okay, forget forget any study, even though I was able to refer to it. Like, you try like try calling American Airlines and then making a sandwich versus doing both at the same time. Like, see what happens. I don't know. Like, again, I submit to the lister that it'll take longer, but whatever. I concede you could have a more effective call with American Airlines and make a better sandwich doing them separately. But if you only have 20 minutes to do both, you can do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm done. I feel personally attacked. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, not really, but like, I don't know what else we're supposed to talk about. If like <laughs> I make an argument and then you go like, oh, watch out for this. Like Dave just made this <laughs> up out of nowhere. And this is something college students do. Like, well, I guess maybe, but like, I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry you feel purposely attacked. No, I think that's it's fine. I get it. the of aggressive debate. Mm-hmm. But we have a moderator here for just this. Kind you of better help us, man. <laughs> okay, this is an interesting one. Healy, is that from from Fisher's Historian Fallacies? The 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 um, study fallacy. What? The idea <laughs> of the, f- the foul. <laughs> you don't know Fisher, your history major, aren't you? David Hackett Fisher. He, no, David Hackett Fisher. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I know he says that studies are junk. Well, I'm asking you. I think it's he has a book about historians' fallacies that's required reading for Harvard uh, historians. History I don't recall reading that book. I do believe that people throw around studies a lot and that most psychology and economic studies don't really replicate in our trash. Um, right. It's possible I've come across that book. but Just, I, wow, throwing two well, okay, whole fields sorry, of Sorry, hold on. Sorry. Just, I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah. So here's where I'm going with this. Uh, yeah. We were right before we got into that, Healy, you had you definitely had the debate. Okay. American Airlines <laughs> was a silver bullet here. And here's a sign of a silver bullet, right? Is would you make an argument that's so good that then your your opponent because all we're talking about is people's minds, right? So your opponent then starts re uh using the re calling back the argument and reinforcing it in the mm. listener's mind so dave says every time dave says american airlines in his attempt yeah. to diffuse it he actually yeah. strengthens <laughs> your argument yeah. okay so if we had just stopped there you have this uh debate hands down <laughs> but then you definitely overplayed your hand oh, and no. you cost yourself some sort of like goodwill points that oh, no. Dave like very effectively played into. <laughs> and like I would say it was a toss up, except that he got you to say that. If you make a sandwich and call American Airlines at the same time, it will take you longer to do both. And I think in that statement, you sort of gave up the debate. So I got to give it to Dave here because he got you to sort of... (laughs) 
go there. Wow. Is it is like because an American Airlines plane looks somewhat like a silver bullet, did that help put the idea of a silver <laughs> bullet into your mind? Couldn't hurt. Couldn't I mean, hurt. The thing, the thing about the whole debate is I, I think this one's interesting and different from a lot of these ones where we do where it's pretty obvious what the right answer to the resolved is, and it's up to, to the debaters to like make it interesting. This one, I think there are probably two camps of people, some whom believe that uh, you can't multitask and some who believe that that you can. And I personally am on the fence here because I believe in most areas of life that multitasking is very ineffective, except when while cooking. Mm. Cooking, Mm. you have to multitask in order to prepare a meal of more than one course. And it's an effective way to achieve the various tasks sort of like within preparing a meal. Um, And so like if you, uh, under the right circumstances, time division, so to speak, you you can achieve it. and, well, and you're so saying, sorry. all I can tell you is you had me at American Airlines because that was effective. It sounds like, you had, it sounds like he had you at Sandwich. <laughs> at Sandwich, yeah. <laughs> at Sandwich, Sandwich, yeah. Now, when you say you multitask <laughs> during cooking, you mean even within the cooking itself, right? You're saying like while one thing yeah. is boiling, you're preparing another thing. Yeah, I'm not okay. like necessarily doing something other than cooking while right, cooking, right. although that's possible. Right. But like if you if you prepare a meal of three courses at this all at once, it's essential that you multitask uh, in in making your various yeah. dish prep. So firing. But are you really? I mean, don't you have to like you can't like cut an onion while you're also using your hands to do something else. That's how bad I am at debating. I couldn't think no, of anything else that like you need to use your hands. Juggling. <laughs> it's not like juggling, but, uh, you know, while something is on the frying pan, you can be whisking yeah. another thing. Or- sure. Yeah. And do you think I would that argue the- that staging that out is sort of, a, you know, multitasking. Do you think that that the opportunity to multitask in that way and the challenge that cooking presents in the form of multitasking is one of the attractions of cooking to people who are really into it? Like the the human puzzle. Gotta be, right? 100%. Especially people who are into like baking, I find. Mm, Where it's like following a, like a sort of a script or like, it's like, it's, has that sort of like puzzle element to it, right? Or something. It's like maybe, I mean, regular cooking as well. I don't know. A lot of cooking this week. It hey. kind of turned into cooking week. Cooking hey, week. Nothing wrong with that. I got to say, I, I fancy myself a fairly competent or good home cook, except that I cannot do it except with unlim- basically unlimited time. Hmm. And that might be a... a fault of the inability to multitask at least within Ooh. cooking or just my failure to comprehend cooking multitasking time is mm. i mean that's why all those shows they have the timer on you the i mean there's much hats off to those guys come on well and Dave. i mean in the restaurant the timer is sort of theoretically on. forget it you gotta put food on the plate 
It's uh, oh. Burger Time is so thrilling to play on the. Old it's Nintendo. why people consider Burger Time the most accurate representation of the culinary experience <laughs> in the game. Dave, world. multitasking. What do you think? What do you mean? Do you Did multitask? Just talk about do you think this? It's possible. What's your personal opinion? Do you do it? I am. I'm like. I know that I can't do it effectively and i always try to and then i'm end up going like wait sorry what did you say like that thing of like mm. it's exactly that thing like you're in a zoom and you read a text from someone and they go sorry i sorry sorry what was that like it is really hard i don't know uh yeah i can't do it i don't think clinton said he <sighs> could do it who clinton Mm-hmm. Bill, Billy Bill. Caesar. I in in this that was like his ver- big thing. He said he could pay attention to three conversations at once. Or something. That's interesting. You know, actually, they say or like I know Richard Feynman had this thing that he believed that one of the few times that you could follow two trains of thought was like right before you fall asleep. That as you're falling mm. asleep, your mind is almost like switching in a dreamlike way between two very different things, and he felt that he was able to tap into it and but i don't know if that really qualifies did he ever have two dreams at the same time that would be the real test that would be cool man yeah can you imagine (laughs) (laughs) the efficiency oh dude you get so much dreaming done you'd work out so much of your subconscious of your mental detritus i think we're done here yeah i I think we did great (laughs) where do we go from here I don't know. <laughs> Take us off the air. We packed a lot into that 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we were fun. Nicely done. Okay, guys. Well, hey, thanks for sticking with us on that. And <laughs> I guess we'll see you very soon again on The Great Debates. Great Debates is produced by Mark Caricello. The theme song was composed by Christopher Knight. The debaters are Steve Healy and Dave King, and the podcast is moderated by Dan Medina. <laughs>